0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, Super excited today, Uh, Mauricio Mansky, who is the founder and CEO of the agency. uh, Started in 2011, you've probably seen him because he's everywhere, TV, podcasts, uh, you see him at a lot of events. He creates this company with a vision, with basically to say, hey, can we create an industry disrupting brokerage? We're gonna talk about that today. Nine years later, right, here we are in 2020, he's got 37 offices, 650 agents, And if you know anything about this guy, he has more $20 million sales than I want to say anybody else on the planet, but we certainly know Los Angeles and has sold some legendary properties, but I want to get into his backstory, right? Was it always easy? What did he do? What was his climb? What were the struggles he went through, right? To build what it is that he's built. And, oh, yes, by the way, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills plays a role in this as well. So, uh, Mauricio, man, thank you so much. We were chatting before this. It's good to see you, and uh, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we'll uh, deliver some fun content, and we'll have some fun doing this thing, Tom. It's been a long, long time, right?
0: Absolutely, man. And, you know, we we both watch each other's careers, and and certainly you have just skyrocketed, you know, the last decade or so. But I want to get into that, right? The, the question I love to ask people to get started in this is, you know, And this is really sort of an entrepreneurial journey show, like what were the things you did to get started? Um, are you like most people? Were you born with a silver spoon in your mouth and everything was just sort of paved in easiness for you on your, the early journeys of your life? Give us a little My, my spoon was bronze. <laughs> bronze. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I
1: look, no, it was not that easy for me. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, I, you know, quite honestly, one of the things that my life and my stroke that, uh, I was born with a blood disease. So I actually spent the first seven years of my life in and out of children's hospitals. Um, and primarily the Boston, which is right now why I'm such a big supporter of the children's hospital, Los Angeles. Yeah. And, uh, You know, so going through that and then into high school, uh, you know, I, my parents, because of that really did take, I was the favorite. I was the favorite grandchild. I was the first, I was the favorite child. So I definitely had that going for me without question. Uh, then when I got into college, I, uh, I was, you know, I'm kind of a slacker. I used to like the uh, sports. I was really into sports. That's all I cared about. I did not mm-hmm. care about going to school. School was relatively easy for me, and so I never did the homework. I never went to the class. I just went in and I took the tests. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but during that time, yeah, my father took a large uh, gamble on business, and we uh, he lost. Um, he lost it all. Bankrupt. Uh, bank bank uh, bankruptcy. Had a restart. He called me up and he said, Mauricio, if you're gonna be slacking off at school, I need you to do one of two things. I either need you to go to school or I need you to come to work. And I said to my dad, I said, okay, no problem. Uh, get me through the weekend. I remember he called me like on a Friday and I said, let me, you know, get me through the weekend. I got some parting to do and I'll let you know on Monday what I'm, what I'm doing, right? And so I called him up on Monday and I said, all right, I, uh, I wanna to go to work. Like that's, you know, I, I don't like school. Uh, it's not for me it's you know it's relatively boring and i want to get to work so i went to go work for my father uh, who was in the textile business and he gave me all the scrappy accounts all the bad accounts that nobody wanted that nobody could sell and within six months i became his number one salesman um and then everybody in the in the in the firm was saying yeah you're the son's you're the you you're you're the son of the the the, the, the founder. Yeah, yeah. you're Hepatism the perfect child. And blah blah blah, and I go yeah. wait a minute, guys, this is yeah. all the shit you got. None of you guys wanted.
0: Yeah, right? I got all yeah. this
1: shit. So yeah, I became the number one salesman there. Uh, the other thing that I really learned how to do there is it's textiles, it's fabric. Okay, yeah. so you deal with hundreds of thousands of yards, millions of yards in a year. Your orders are you know two hundred thousand yards, three hundred thousand yards. So I would come back to my father and I would say, All right, Dad, I got, you know, a hundred thousand yard order and I sold it for two dollars and eighteen cents, right? And he would do the math and the whole thing. He goes, That's fine, but I need you to go get two dollars and twenty-one cents. I go, Well, three cents, what are you talking about? He goes, We yeah. multiply those three cents by three million yards and you tell me what that adds up to. That's our profit. Right. And so I really learned the value of the cent. Uh, yeah. so, you know, not the value of the dollar, but the value of the cent.
0: But well, I tell you, that is, uh, that's a beautiful story the way you described it. I want to go back to a couple of things, though. Uh, blood disease and then the pressure of being the firstborn, right? And, and probably even more so, like, you know, a lot of my friends growing up, uh, you know, Hispanics that were like, man, when you're the firstborn, there is a lot of responsibility placed on you. And, if, you know, if you're not on the right path, sometimes that can impact you. Um, so tell me about, first of all, the blood disease. Yeah,
1: I was born with this thing. It's called uh, neutropenia. Yeah, it's a very rare disease. At the time, in the you know, I was born in 1970, there were no drugs to uh, prolong it. There's still no cure for it. Uh, the cure is one in you know back then, one in every 50,000 kids uh, was the, uh, the the people that get cured. Today they have drugs where you can learn you can live with it. You don't necessarily get cured. The cure is still by luck in theory but you do have drugs that you can, you can live with, with the disease now. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, so basically I, uh, you know, my parents just, you know, we were born in Mexico. We were at the American, uh, the the American hospital. And we used to travel every, uh, every uh, month to the uh, children's hospital in Boston. And uh, we would do, you know, a bunch of, blood work and you know i so i I literally lived in hospitals the first six years of my life i i've completely erased that memory so it's all it's all stories that my grandparents and parents and and everybody has told me but my you know my brain deleted that world so i don't remember a birthday party before seven i don't remember anything before that age right and uh, so it's really just all stories i tell now quite honestly that i you know that everybody tells me
0: Well, sure. And you, you and I both know, I mean, our life is basically a whole myriad of stories, right. That, you know, create this patchwork of our experiences. Um, I'm curious from that story, you know, did you become the hero in it? Was there ever a time that it became a weakness for you? Did you ever use it as a strength?
1: So my, my parents did a very good job. uh, And what ended up having is that they, I, I, because of that, one of the character traits that I developed that has helped me in my business career today and has helped me throughout life is uh, confidence, right? And yeah. they just always made me feel so high, so good. Everything I did was always great. And they really gave me a tremendous amount of confidence. And that's one of those traits that I developed uh, innately, you know, as a young, young child yeah it has always you know right i never had to develop it later in my life i was kind of it was it was installed in me as a kid and uh, you know they I, they didn't make me feel weird about being in hospital they didn't i just you know there was just none of that and somehow or another they were amazing at giving me that confidence early my mother has four careers in psychology which is a whole other conversation that we can wow. have yeah and, um, so but yeah so she was really good at
0: that. <laughs> I mean, obviously she knew what she was doing and, and the results certainly paid off, but go go back to the pressures of being the firstborn. You know, there there had to be, you know, whether it was written or not, an expectation that you had to go out and do something extraordinary. And then you talked about being in college and basically just being sports and partying. I don't think that was on the firstborn list.
1: That was not on the firstborn list. Uh, there's there, Yeah, as a Latino, as a Jewish Latino, uh, there's a lot of pressure to be you know, as the firstborn to take over yeah. the, the family's businesses, to, you know, to get married with a girl. I did not. I married an Irish Catholic girl, uh, with a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Right. So yeah, I never really did everything the way that I was supposed to do things, but I did, I did the the way, you know, things felt right to me, you know, so uh, I followed my heart. And again, that goes back to what, you know, my mother, really instilled in me, which is, you know, to follow your feelings and your heart, that confidence in myself, Uh, sometimes a little bit too confident. I've actually had to pare it down. uh, Sure. In my my later days. Um, But yeah, so it's been, uh, uh, I've just followed
0: my heart. I appreciate you sharing that. What about, what about your dad losing, you know, going bankrupt and, and that, that moment in time, like that's certainly a story that you know, we either accept the hero's journey, which it sounds like you did, or some people are devastated by it. I know people today that are our age, we're both born in 1970, that struggle with money because early on something tragic happened with money with their parents. And that became the story that they lived into, that there was never enough, never enough cookies in the cookie jar, or if you make too much, you're going to lose it all. So you got to be careful. What did you learn from that?
1: So what you just said, right. I, I did grow up in a relative, as I said, in a bronze spoon, right. With a house and veil and skiing. And I, I, that, you know, I liked good things, right. Uh, I wouldn't call it a silver spoon, but certainly a nice little bronze spoon. Yeah. And uh, when we lost all of that and I lost that lifestyle, uh, one of the most important things for me was, uh, a, I, I realized that you can have something and lose it. Right. So I never wanted to put myself in a position to lose it again. Yeah. Uh, and I would, you know, which has been good and bad because by the same token, I've made some very conservative investments and not taken as many chances as I may have where I could have made a lot more money. Okay. Sure. Uh, um, but by the safe token, I've had a very steady growth and a very steady uh, life and you know, I've been able to save and save and save and save and, save and given myself a pretty decent, uh, uh financial life. Okay. Um, uh, so it goes both ways. Um, But but the motivational there is also, from a lifestyle perspective, is having something and then it being taken away from you uh, is a very motivational event, right? And uh, you said some people can go the other way and just not know how to deal with it and turn to drugs and turn to alcohol or whatever it is that they turn to. But no, my turn was a complete motivational, which is I wanted to regain it with a lot, have it, save it, and pass it on to my kids, right? So, uh, a, a very different mentality, uh, mindset, you know, occurred because of that. And the, my mindset was just, you know, I wanted to live that way. I got a taste of it. I got a taste of the silver of the silver spoon, and yep. I wanted to live with the silver spoon. It was a yes. much bigger spoon to live with than 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 you know the wooden spoon. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, it made me chase it and made me chase it hard.
0: So. What's always interesting, and you know this because you deal with this, you know, so many agents as I do and entrepreneurs and friends and you know, people that start companies, everybody's got a story about money and there's usually that moment in time that something happens and they either go right or left. And clearly you took the, the path of, I'm going to make it back, fear of loss, and I'm going to do even more with it. So I appreciate you sharing that. So you're, you're, you're working with your dad, you're six months in, you got all the crappy accounts, you're the number one sales guy. Once again, everybody's going. Oh, you know, he's just getting the Glengarry leads, right? Like he's got it easy. He's, you know, daddy's boy. At what point did you? At what point did you say, okay, I've, I've taken this as far as I want to go? Because what I want to get into is why did you suddenly go into real estate? Like, yeah, that took a family a business. I
1: started. It. I, I then got. Into, I then became an entrepreneur. I went from textiles into uh, clothing design. We started a clothing company called Nine Hundred Two Six Five, which don't know if you know that's the malibu zip code yep. um, Uh we did it in french neufo ducy sank it grew tremendously you yeah, we grew it to 30 million dollars of sales i was selling nordstrom's and theodore's and, and frederick's and everybody i was having the time of my life uh what i didn't know and another great lesson was how to produce goods so, so i started producing them in uh in in Mexico, my production came out bad. I was delivering goods that were getting returned. And then my business, which I started with my father or, or, you know, bought a very small t-shirt company and then turned it into that $30 million business. Then we went bankrupt. Um, and then we lost it and I lost that really because, uh, again, production, I was young, I was probably 23, 24 years old. And I was trying to run, you know, production lines for 30 million in sales and, uh, and it was very, very difficult and, uh, and a real struggle. And one of the owners of one of my buyers from uh, uh, one of the from Macy's, I don't know if anybody knows what Macy's is, it doesn't exist anymore. You and I know what Macy's yeah, is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, she said to me, She goes, Well, why don't you just sell the company? Remember, I was 23 and a half years old. I go, I can sell, somebody wants to buy my company? Like, yeah. what are you talking about? She goes, Yeah, you have a great line, you just don't know how to produce shit. I go. So you're telling me I could actually sell this thing? She goes, Yeah. So I looked around. I sold it. You know, I paid off all my creditors. I paid off all my debt. You know, we ended up with a few, you know, shekels. Not too many, but you know, enough. And uh, and then that's when I got into real estate. Uh, I've always loved design. I've loved interior design. Yeah. I architecture. It was a business that I could be an entrepreneur again. Um, it was a business that I could, you know, do everything from marketing and. And be different than marketing, as you know. That's one of the things that I've. Uh, the design oh, yes. background is definitely one of the things that I think we've been known for. Yeah. And um, and that's how we got into that business. But yes, yeah, certainly we learned a lot from the mistakes, because as you know, and you teach it all the time, you can learn as much from your mistakes as you can from your, you know, your, your uh, the things you do great, right? Um, and sometimes the mistakes is where you learn the most. And so you know, learning how to run a business that was not fully efficient. That was full of production errors. Quite honestly, has helped me tremendously in running the agency today.
0: No doubt. So you're 23, 24. You sell this business, and you—that's when you chose real estate. Yeah. So, so you know, take us through the journey. I mean, obviously, you started your own brokerage that I know, you know, from 2011, yeah. right? Literally, an agency down the street from my house, you know, in in Newport, right? So I see it all the time. I, obviously, we have tons of of clients that are inside your brokerage but take us back to the early. Oh, right. Take us back to the early days though. When you first got started, did you say I'm going right to the West side? I'm going right after the high end. And if so, like, what was that, what was that first couple of years experience? Like, what were some of the things you did? Cause people will listen to this and, and maybe want to use that as a model.
1: Yeah. So again, in selling clothing, uh, you know, back then one of the big huge accounts that, you know, was very difficult to to open was the JCPenney. And, you know, even though it was more prestigious to sell Nordstrom's and Saks, JCPenney was the one you wanted to sell to, okay? And it was extremely difficult to get in. And one of my salespeople uh, back then said to me, Mauricio, you know, you can work your way up through buyers and through assistants, and you can get there or you can work your way down through God. We need to get in front of the CEO. And I got in front of the CEO of JCPenney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got a How meeting. How did you do that? I got a meeting. I called and I said, I have an amazing product that is so different that nobody has seen. And I just had balls and confidence. And I flew down to Dallas, to Plano, Texas. And I remember sitting in you know, the office waiting to meet with the CEO and uh, he liked me and he gave me a vendor number. And then he said, all right, come back in two weeks and you now have a meeting with all my buyers. And I had a meeting with you know, 36 buyers and all of a sudden, boom, I was at JC Penney, but it came from God down, right? From the top down, yeah. from the bottom up. Right. So that was a lesson I learned early in life. Right. Uh, then my first job going back to when I was 16 years old, I remember I flunked my algebra class and my parents told me that I wasn't allowed to uh, go to uh, Acapulco that summer. And uh, so I went to go get a job for a gentleman by the name of George Santo Pietro, who just called me five minutes ago while we were on the podcast. And, uh, and I got a job for him, delivering pizzas. I delivered pizzas to him, uh, for, for him. I, I delivered to him one time uh, and he was married to Vanna White, who I just saw yesterday uh, as well. And um, I walked in there and I'm like, Oh my God, this world is just so surreal. Like here I am, you know, with uh, the wheels of fortune, you know, delivering pizzas to her. Yes. And, uh, and, uh, and then I got into cut, cut forward to, I got into the real estate business. I picked up the phone. I called up George Santa Pietro, one of my clients, one of my sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go meet with him. I sat down with him and I said, Hey, I'm getting into this business. And, blah, blah, blah. and he said to me, he said, well, you know it's just as easy to sell a 20 million dollar house as it is a two million dollar house except for the 20 million dollar house has a lot bigger commissions in it and i'm like yeah from god down from 20 million down make That's it right. a lot easier and i went straight into uh, the luxury world i i didn't decide to raise up i went right for it i went right to it and i uh, again the confidence that i developed as a kid um, the, the sales tactics that I developed in, in selling, you know, pennies, the uh, negotiating pennies over dollars, uh, really was all of the, uh, the, the stuff that allowed me to then break into that high end real estate. And I love to tell that story because you know, I, I right after I leave you, I'm going to go to George Santa Pedro's house. Uh, we're showing it, we're selling it. So I tell George, I go, George, I've been working for you since I'm 16 years old. I said, I don't know
0: who else can say they've been employed by somebody (laughs) for years. That's awesome. So, so take us back. I mean, first of all, you know, is your mother, is your mother alive? Yeah. Both parents. I, I hope you call her once a week and say thank you for all the confidence.
1: I should call her more but yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Not just on Mother's Day, but I mean cuz you know I mean having interacted you know with you throughout the year. I mean, you exude a level of confidence that that I certainly experience. I see other people experiencing it and and then we see so many people that that just don't have it, right? That they're searching for it. Um you know, you've worked with a lot of people as I have. If you had to just divert kind of off you for a second and say If somebody wants to develop more confidence, whether it's to go on the high end or start a business or or just have a little more swag on their next listing appointment, what do they do? What would be your your sort of tips for developing confidence?
1: Yeah, it's so hard. You got to fake it till you make it right yeah uh, um, the actors deal with that all the time uh, you know they go in there they're scared shitless but they got to act you know for that 30 seconds that they're doing that scene in order to get that job they just got to act it out right And yeah. so when you go in for a listing appointment when you're delivering you know talking to a buyer, you just need to pretend you need to act you need to become an actor yeah. uh, until you develop it, right. You need to get away. You know, I I I can tell you. I always talk about fear, right? It's it's getting over fear, the fear of rejection, the fear of 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 not performing, the fear of getting fired, all of those things, right? You can talk about it as confidence, or you can talk about it as fear, right? They both kind of go. They both do go hand in hand, right? And so we have to fake it till you make it. Um, But the way you fake it till you make it is you can't fake stats. You can't fake a knowledge, right? So Mm -hmm. in order to fake your character, you got to have the education, right? So if I'm selling Corona Del Mar or I'm selling Newport, well, damn, I better know the tax rolls. I better know every owner of every house. I better know every deal that went down the last three years uh, or five or 10 years. Right. Uh, I better know every active listing. I better know every pocket listing. I better know every agent, right? So now when I get in front of somebody, when I actually have to fake my confidence, I can fake it because I have the knowledge to actually speak about it. Right. So you first, you need, you need to fake the character, but you need to have the knowledge and you need to, to, to to be able to support the fake.
0: It's so interesting. You say this, uh, but a buddy of mine who, uh, who I've interviewed now twice on our podcast, he wrote a book called the alter ego and, and he works with actors and, and, you know, a lot of athletes, a lot of professional athletes that, you know, take Bo Jackson as an example. When Bo Jackson walked onto the field, he was no longer Bo Jackson. He became someone else or uh, Sasha best Fierce.
1: in the world, right? Certainly, it, not, certainly not Michael Jordan where he was the best winner in the world. But yes. Bo Jackson was probably the best athlete in the world.
0: No doubt. Or you take um, Sasha Fierce, right, a.k.a. Beyonce. And and so there is like like when you said fake it till you make it, I was a little bit nervous until you went there because you're right. Like it's you have to become that person, but you can't do that like you said without the data. The data is how you get out of the right brain fear emotion and you get into the validation left brain logic. So so tell me just for fun and diverting again here, but before we started this podcast, you and I were just getting caught up on the market and what's going on. Like at this point in your career. How much time do you spend looking at the data in the market, and what's your process?
1: Well, every day, uh, I look at the data in the market. So, you know, I'm looking at at, at all data. I uh, I start right now. I start with uh, uh, well, particularly now during COVID times, and try mm-hmm. to understand where our where where we're gonna. Find the floor where we're going to start seeing, yeah. you know, pipelines, movements, et cetera, et cetera. So I yep. start every day. I look at showing time every day. Uh, I'm sure, you're familiar with it, right? Of course. Um, yes. Um, look at that every single day, which to me is the first indicator of are there going to be more sales, right? Yep. Who's that? Are there buyers looking? Uh, is there that's nobody right. looking? So to me, that's the first indicator. Then after that, then I look at, you know, uh, the pipeline all Mm -hmm. openings of all escrows across the the city across the counties across wherever we are located at right so that leads that that tells us how much is opening how much is actually selling how many people are out there looking how much is actually selling then i look at how much is actually closing what's falling out what's closing and are we keeping up with that pipeline because if we're keeping up with it replacing closings with openings we found our floor Right. right so to me i need to find the floor right as an eight that so that's the CEO's hat, that's the agency's hat. You know, Then I start looking at pricing and volume and all that stuff. As a broker, as an agent, I'm looking at the MLS every single day, my hot sheets, the areas I work, what's going in, what's going out. Not so much from a statistical perspective, but more just from a knowledge perspective so that I can talk about that when I'm selling product. This right. just came on the market, that just sold, this, that, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm, I'm educating myself with, with data on a daily basis
0: bingo it i mean you and i are speaking the same language i mean when i got started in this what now feels like a million years ago the one thing i knew was you know i was new so i was going to kill everybody on data i was going to have more math more science more stats more social proof than anybody else and it gave me confidence and then i look at the best agents on the planet you know i'm a co-owner in the wall street journal top 1000 and america's best and when you, whether you talk to the, you know, the Jills in Miami, or you, or Timmy Smith, or Josh Rubin, or just go right on down the line, every single one of them is a data nerd. They know the market inside and out. And you mentioned earlier, a year, three years, five years, heck, 10 years. That's what makes the great people great. Why, Why? I mean, it's common sense. Why isn't every agent making that common practice?
1: Yeah, it's the hardest thing that we struggle with. And I think that it just has to do with laziness and and not, you know, really taking it serious because the problem with agents is a lot of agents get into the business because they feel that, um, you know, they see their friends making money and they feel like it's the easiest way to make money. Right. And, and that's you. And I know that's not true. Right. I always tell people that join us at the agency. Uh, I say, listen, like, You've been watching us be successful, but I want to be super clear. You did $15 million of sales last year. We don't have fairy dust. I want to get you from 15 to 50, okay? But it's not going to be because I sprinkled the agency fairy dust on you. It's going to be because you start doing certain uh, you know, systems that you start following. You change your mindset. You wake up every morning. You do this. I go, you're going to do it yourself. We're going to help you do it, okay? But you need to do it yourself. Right, yeah. we're not going to sprinkle fairy dust on you, and all of a sudden you're going to go from 15 to
0: 50. I feel like I need a cut in the action in the agency because he's putting out fairy dust. I mean, you know, hello, like this is this is this our new business? You got it, man. <laughs> I got a lot of fairy dust, brother. That's why I said it, brother. <laughs> I love it, man. I remember so, I
1: went to go watch your father three times. He actually helped me a lot. I was, for uh, sure, back in the day, and. um, you know, I, I learned a lot from you guys and from your dad and from you. I, I saw you a couple of times, but uh, certainly your dad gave me a lot of great systems and I, you know, I took right. them and, and developed them and changed them a little bit, you know, but
0: uh, certainly four of, of our systems. I love it. So let, let's talk about why you went from being an agent to starting a company. What, yeah. what was going on in your mind when you were like, have I gone as far as I can go or Were you pissed off at the man? Like, why'd you do it?
1: Multiple reasons. Uh, yes. A, uh, 2008, uh, I went pretty much as, you know, I, I, uh, I doubled down. I became, uh, the number seven agent in the country. Uh, and I realized I only had six more spots to go, which, you know, was exciting, but not that exciting. Right. Right. That you know, that was a little, uh, and uh, and I felt that our systems were teachable, repeatable. People could learn from them, and that we can actually create a company where we can not only help uh, people like me, but you know, but people like me, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really it's a company that was built by agents for agents. Uh, and there was a frustration because there's not a lot of those, not 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 national brands. You know, there's certainly your local. Uh, your local agency or your, your neighborhood agency, whether they, they could be huge Hilton and Highland by brokers right. brokers, huge company, amazing right. company, but one, one company, not a national brand, right? One office, amazing brand where I first worked, learned a lot, did everything. But my frustration was more, uh, was, was that was motivation about feeling like I had gone as far as I, I could go. But really my, my frustration was two things. One, I felt that there was a lot of room uh, for redefining technology, marketing, growth, and brokerages were just not changing. They were all in this dinosauric, archaic methodologies that they just were, they didn't want to change. It worked and nobody wanted to change and the whole world was changing around us, but brokerages didn't want to change. I mean, we were the last ones to adopt. World Wide Web was around, and there was Napster, and there was all kinds of different things. Yet I was still receiving all my uh, my listings in a book, uh, you know, and I was flipping through pages. I mean, right. real estate was such a late adapter of, of technology, um, and they controlled all of that stuff. So a lot of frustration in terms of uh, the the where real estate was going, um, and also there was a lot of frustration in in in, uh, in, in the way that. Uh, agents pitch stuff like we pitched we pitched a lot of bullshit, okay we pitched that we could access the sotheby's auction uh uh client list thing.
0: or we yeah, yeah, yeah
1: Pitched that we yeah. could access you know brookshire hathaway warren buffett's friends you know we pitched that we could access hong kong and china and we but we were all full of shit. Okay, None of us could actually do it. And I felt that there was actually a way to actually deliver on your pitch. And so one of the things that the agency did is we wanted to deliver on all of these things that we were pitching because they were there. They were at our fingertips. Just mm-hmm. because of technology, nobody was actually delivering on it, right? Yeah. Because the brokerages were not willing to take that on. And so uh, I, I just felt that you know it was, a very, it was very frustrating for me to tell my clients that I was going to do something and then not deliver on it. And so I really just wanted to create a company that if I tell my client I'm going to do something, I'm going to deliver on what I'm telling my client I'm going to do, you know, which is why we are, which is why today we do all of our wealth searches. And we have uh, a a tremendous amount of science understanding how to connect wealthy people and how to build this wealth environment. So that when you tell me you want to sell a hundred million dollar house off market, uh, or a $200 million house off market, I can actually reach the 2,800 people in the world that can actually afford that $200 million house, right? And right. so that's the that's the frustration. And that's one of the things that we wanted to build.
0: And, and by the way, you and I both know, you know, everything is a story. Marketing is a story. Telling a great story gets people's attention. If it's a little provocative, it's even better. And And just hearing your story, like I know you said that a thousand times why did you start your business we had this problem in the industry and i believe that i could do it better and right so so let me ask you in the early days what were some of the the hiccups the roadblocks the mistakes i mean i i couldn't imagine that it was all just super easy
1: well it was not all super easy but i can tell you it kind of was super easy because I would get home and my wife would say, you know, how was your day? And I would say every single day I had the best day of my life and three years into this thing, she, I would get home and she would say, how was your day? And I've I've had the best day of my life. And when you have the best day of your life, every single day, it's easy. (laughs) Right. I mean, things that things are easy when, when you're having shitty days, but that goes to the mindset. So whether you're solving whether you're resolving a problem or resolving a sale, uh, whether you lost a listing or whether you made a big sale, whether you uh, lost an agent or you gained an agent. If, you, if it's the best thing of your life, it is ultimately easy. So have we all had struggles? Yeah. I mean, building our technology was probably the hardest thing you know, I've ever done. Uh, yeah, that was definitely not easy. Uh, you know, we wanted to build a platform that was all internet-based. So the core brokerage was meant to be internet-based. So what did we do? We went out there and we bought every CRM system. Right. Yes. Uh, we started with one. It didn't deliver what we wanted. We 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 got another one. It didn't deliver what we wanted. We got a third one. It didn't deliver what we wanted. My CTO comes up to me, uh, who who was still our CTO, and he says, "You know, we can build our own." And I go, "Really? You can build it?" He goes, Yeah, I can build it. I go, How much is it going to cost you? He goes, 200, 250 grand all in. I go, Really? You can actually do that for that? You have the knowledge and the capacity? He goes, Yeah, 100%. I've got it. Well, here we are eight years later. I'm probably 5 million into the flipping. Right. (laughs) Right. We're still building it. We're still not perfect. It still has a whole bunch of fucking holes in it, but (laughs) definitely the best one in the business, right? Yes. Um, So, yeah, I would say that's, our biggest frustration in terms of the agency as a whole.
0: So, so I want to go first of all, I, I totally, I mean, because we all, you know, like, I mean, as you're saying, and I can remember starting 16 years ago and all the, Hey, this, we're going to solve this problem, all the other, you know, coaching and training companies are saying, you got to do it this way or that way, let's do it how the agent wants. Let's like, let's personalize it. Let's customize it. Let's be the only company that does this and then trying to figure out how you're going to deliver on that and then deliver on it at scale. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Like delivering it on scale with multiple offices and multiple people. Um, but I want to go back to this. Ready? You mentioned earlier, hey, someone, someone's coming in and you're like, I'm going to get you from 15 to 50 and there's things you got to do and there's marketing you got to do and there's hustle you got to do. So, so I'm going to flip it. Ready? I'm the coach, but now you're the coach. Okay. I'm doing $15 million a year in sales. I want to do 50 million. What do I have to do? Tell me what to do, coach.
1: Uh, well, the first thing you should do is pick up the phone and call Tom Ferry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a good man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, it's very simple. You know, at the end of the day, you got to make your works. I personally believe in, in, uh, in, um, referral business. So you got to start with that, what we all call that sphere of influence, right? Yep. So you got to touch that sphere every single day. I also believe we're salespeople, you know, so, for me personally, I'm not, I've never been a Zillow lead buyer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any agent that, you know, comes to the agency because we have a thousand, you know, or or goes anywhere because they've got a whole bunch of traffic and they're expecting to get leads because of the website traffic. That's not an agent I want. Okay. That's not your model. That is not my model. Like go build your systems, go build, go touch your, your people. Why, you know, what have you done? Your high school, your church. Your country club. Like, what do you like to do? You like cars? You like to read? Like, what do you like to do? Go build those networks. Go build them in Facebook. Go build. Today we have all kinds of different ways of building. It's not only That's one right. on one, but we can join a whole bunch of different, you know, systems through a bunch of different social networks, right? So not only your personal, but your social networks. So you got to build that. You got to build a lead uh, uh, a drip campaign. You gotta touch those people on a constant basis, okay? Then you need the technology to know when those people are actually, when it's working, right? So I I touched a hundred people, three of them accessed my my website. I wanna know that those three access my website. Those are now my super hot leads, right? So we've got that technology. They're on my website. I'm now calling them. I'm not letting them know I know they're on my website, but now I've got a hot lead. I've taken them from a slow lead to somebody that's starting to be more active. So boom, one thing. Next thing. Knowledge, we already talked about that, I'm not going to repeat that, but yep. if you don't have that core.
0: None, none of it works.
1: Business. Just go get yeah. into a different business, right? Like, there's nothing you can do, right? I remember, I'll tell you a story in a second. Um, yeah. and, and then thirdly, is I'm a huge believer in being out on the streets, okay? That for me, the easiest way of being out on the streets is, 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 uh, is uh, open houses. I've built my whole career on open houses. Uh, and what I mean by that is not hold an open house and have a check-in list and be watching, you know, uh, NFL uh, uh, in, in the family room and, and, you know, looking at your phone and wondering how your bets are doing or not be, you know, absent reading a book because nobody's there, right? When you get, you get an open house and you get one client, well, guess what? That's your best moment. And that's your moment to shine because you only got one client. Right. That's right. So I used to play games in open houses, you know, where I remembered everybody's name. I would say, hello, John. Hello, Cindy. Hello. Blah blah blah. They'd walk around. They'd come up the stairs. Hey, John, how'd you like that family room? Is that a great family room for you or what? You know, hey, Cindy, that kitchen is that don't you love cooking in that, you know, that oven? Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. By the time they leave, I've now developed a little bit of a relationship. But by the time they leave, I call them by their name again. John, Cindy, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden they're like, damn, how do you remember? You have 35 people in here. How do you remember my name? So it's just something to get somebody to connect with you, right? And now you you start conversations. Well, what are you looking for? Well, this house is too much money for me. I'm looking for a three million dollar house, not a five million dollar house. Well, have you seen you know ABC Street and 12th Street and Third Street and Main Street? And have you seen those? He goes, No, I haven't seen those. Can I show them to you? You gotta start building that rapport, right? And so to me, it's all about that. I mean, that's that's the way you build your business. There's a lot of other ways. Uh, everybody has a special way. I've seen people extremely successful with buying the Zillow leads. I've seen people extremely successful at other things. But that's my that's the relationship way is my way. I love it.
0: I love it. Like I'm for us, the core four: ready your database, your sphere, past clients, ready geographic farm, become the expert of some part of town, open houses, and then make sure that your social presence right? That you're findable everywhere online and you're delivering value to the marketplace, being the educator, which you can't do without the knowledge, right? Knowing the data. So I love it. Um, so I want to, I want to hit you with one last question. Uh, actually I'm going to hit you with two. Um, the first, the first one is where do you see yourself in the next 10 to 20 years?
1: Oh, I mean, the uh, Look, from a business perspective, AI, you know, the agency right now, we have found a model that has been very successful. And because of our technology, we believe we actually have a way to redefine the franchise business. So we're going heavy into franchising. Our franchisees are not franchisees anymore. They are in essence company owned because full access, full collaboration, hundred percent access into our technology, whatever my, whatever my Beverly Hills offices, my, uh, my, my Chattanooga, Tennessee offices. Okay. Uh, we have zero separation between that. We have a system and a model that we've developed, which we call business in the cloud that we believe is better than any other franchise out there. So for the next 10 years, we're going franchise heavy, building an amazing network an amazing web uh sharing all of that stuff so that we can all reform more business do more work maintain the client et cetera. Et cetera. personally i uh you know i'd like to, I, I, I i'd like to get to a point uh very very soon where where i can start and, and COVID has taught me this but where i can start being the ceo and the manager of the company from 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 home Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and allow this firm to become bigger than me, which is why we never called it the Umansky estates or the Umansky rose thing. It was always, you know, it was meant to be generic. Why? Right? Which is why it's called the agency. Okay. Yep. It was meant for, so that, as you say, you know, and you teach everybody market yourself, market your, you know, don't, you know, so the whole idea of the agency was so generic that you're connect, you can market yourself powered by the agency. Right. Right. Um, and uh, so yeah, allow it to become bigger than me. It already is, but really allow it to become bigger than me and, uh, and, and, and and just have a great business for the next 10, 20 years and have a great cash flow and pass it on to my kids and move on with you know with life enjoy the kids, enjoy the grandkids and enjoy life. love it.
0: Keep keep instilling that confidence uh, that your mom instilled in you right to the kids and the grandkids. You need to do that. yeah so so kind of just last question you know, you've, you've delivered a lot of insight here and I appreciate you just being very open about the early days of your life and, you know, the stories about your dad and, you know, how you were raised and what you did and, you know, mistakes and pluses and confidence and fake it till you make it. There's a, there's a lot of, a lot to unpack here. I guess I would ask you the last thing is, what do you think are the, the three or four most important business strategies, business concepts that have allowed you to propel where so many others have failed or if they didn't fail, they failed to get to your level.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, we spoke about some of them, you know, confidence and not having fear, knowledge, um, uh, you know, but uh, there's one concept that to me is certainly is very important. And that's, you know, the concept of certainty versus doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, have certainty in decisions you make. Don't doubt yourself. Go for it. You know, take your time. There's another concept that I live by, which is a very famous Napoleon Bonaparte saying, Napoleon Palmer part when he would prepare for battle back in the day is he would tell his, uh, his soldiers or his staff, dress me slow because I'm in a hurry, right? Back in the day, it was difficult to get dressed, right? You had a lot of stuff to get, ba- to get ready for battle. So if you made mistakes, uh, it would take you a lot longer than just doing it right the first time, right? You're late for a listing appointment. Yeah. You're late to get home. You're rushing. You're on the freeway. You're speeding. You get pulled over, you're arrested, you're fucked, you're super late, okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing good. there's nothing good about that one. Yes. But dress me slow, cause I'm gonna hurry. You're gonna get to the end line faster. Once you've made that decision, mm-hmm. okay, so I take a while to make a decision. But once I make that decision, I have 100% certainty. Yeah. We are go, we're green, we don't look back, we don't change our minds, we understand that we might make a mistake, we'll change paths later because we made a mistake. But in the meantime we are 100% go on that decision so you know uh, and then the third thing that to me is very important for the agency is I've never ever gotten upset for people making mistakes I've always told everybody take chances take risks the reason you got hired because I believe in your mind okay yes. if I wanted your mind to be my mind I wouldn't have hired you I just fucking listen to myself all day long so I want, when I ask you for advice, I don't want you to tell me what you think I want to hear. I want you to tell me what you, what your mind is telling you. I'll make the decision whether I like it or not. Okay. You might influence me one way or the other, but I want that mind. That's the mind I hired. And then I'll decide whether I like the thing. And by the way, you're never going to get fired at our company for taking risks, for being, you know, for, 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 for thinking. Okay. For expressing your thinking and for making those mistakes. Okay. The only reason you're not surviving at the agency is because you don't take risks because you don't, you're afraid to make mistakes Mm -hmm. and you don't do shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think for all my, all my friends that are listening, first of all, I love just the, the energy brother. And uh, there's a wonderful book, Dr. Carol Dweck wrote called the growth mindset. And I've talked about it a bunch And, and you just personified it, which is you got two kinds of people, people that are in a fixed mindset, afraid to try, afraid to think, afraid to act out, you know, what if I fear of rejection, fear of loss, all of that stuff where the growth mindset says done is better than perfect. I'm just going to do it. And the worst case scenario is I learn something from it. And, and we know in life who, who moves forward and actually who moves the world. So you, my friend have the growth mindset on steroids. So this has been super fun, man. Uh, as we wrap it up, any closing thoughts? If, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way to get you? Should they hit you up on Instagram, email you? What's the yeah, best way somebody those says, hey, man? Used
1: to find, unfortunately. Uh, yep. <laughs> but yeah, Instagram, MU 18 MU 18 on uh, email, MU Mansky at com, And uh, just Google my name, you'll find me.
0: Awesome, brother. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing you at another conference or, uh, or Zoom event or something soon. Uh, But love to your family. Uh, Definitely call your mother today and thank her again and your dad. And uh, that's it, partner. So for all my friends watching, we appreciate you always. Share this with a couple friends, especially if you know someone that needs to get their confidence right or or think about how they want to move forward powerfully with a lot more certainty or give up on the old story because this guy's done it times two. So thanks so much for listening absolutely give me a like or a comment on whatever platform you're uh, you're con, you know absorbing this content and uh definitely reach out to mauricio the guy's a beast all right everybody we're out thanks so much if you want more information about this episode including my show notes mentions links and everything else make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast that's tomferry.com slash podcast thanks again and talk to you soon